that trivia question. Predisposed to praying when you're called upon, do you pray? I'll be fancy that question. <laughs> you know, because I, I think it's probably overstated. I think it's probably overstated. I'm going to uh, open this up with prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you're gracious and merciful in all that you, you do and all that you give us to do. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. So, so I'm going to be making some bold statements today, um, some thought-provoking statements. And I, and I am going to give you, because Dallas says I need to, some practical suggestions on, on prayer. But it's a daunting subject, is it not? Um, here's what... I think prayer is. Prayer is foremost a privilege, a gift given to those who believe in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our sin, for my sin. His gift enables us to come into the presence of the God of the universe 24 hours a day for as long as he gives us to live on this earth. It pleases him when we exercise his privilege. So I ask the question, so why is it so difficult for us to pray? And let me illustrate with a, with a story. How many have kids under 10? So do you have a, a discipline that you exercise before you go to bed? Do you take your wife and you go up and you tuck them in and you tell them a story and you pray? Let me tell you a story about a couple that did that with a son whose name was Peter who was about four years old. And every night, Peter would be tucked in and given a story and prayed over, and then mom and dad would go downstairs and do what mom and dads do, turn on the television, talk, whatever. Until one night, Peter said, listen, mom and dad, I like the fact that you come up and tuck me in. I like the story, but there's no need to pray. God already knows everything. He knows what I want, and he knows what you want, and he knows everything. So if you could just come up and tuck me in and tell me a story, and then you don't need to pray. And Mom and dad were rocked by that, and they went down, and the first thing the dad said, well, you know he's got God does know everything. Why do we pray? God does take care of all our needs. Why do we pray? And his wife wisely said, let's pray about it <laughs> and see what God tells us to do. So they did, and the next night, it came time for Peter to go to bed. And he got in bed, and nothing happened. His mom and dad were downstairs, but they didn't come upstairs. And Peter said, where are you? And his mom and dad said, well, Peter, you know that we love you. You know that we care for you. We don't need to say it every night. Peter said, but I want you to. So they came upstairs and tucked him in, gave him a story, and then the dad said, I think I need to pray. And he prayed something like this. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. 
We know it pleases you when we pray. Thank you for giving us Peter, for loving him, and giving us the privilege to love him too. Continue to draw him close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So is that the way you approach prayer? I'll tell you the way uh, Richard Foster approaches prayer. Here's what he has to say, and this isn't, this isn't daunting. Teacher Richard Foster says, Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communi- communion with the Father. He says, Meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our minds. We kind of like that one. But it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. And he backs that up by saying, Here's some examples of guys that you know and their approach to prayer. Martin Luther declared, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. John Wesley says, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. He prayed two hours a day. Adrian Justin, a successful businessman, sought to withdraw seven times a day in order to pray. Dawn, 9, 12, 3, 6, 9, and midnight. And he called that his times of secret prayer. Prayer just between him and the Lord. So are you encouraged? Disheartened? Are these giants of the faith so far beyond anything we have experienced that we are tempted to despair, to give up, to seek other ways to express our faith? Before we go too far in our thinking, like the fact that God knows everything in the universe and it's set and so things cannot be changed, let's realize that God knows us and has made a way through his spirit for us to overcome our thinking. Give this a thought and relate it to your commitment to prayer. God made us in a way for us to abide in Christ, not to just follow him. To abide in Christ, not to just follow him. Is there a difference? So here's Christ. Here's his disciples. They're following. Are they in Christ or following? They're following. They have not given up everything they are to who he is. So they're not in Christ. They're following. And The fact of the matter is, the night before Christ was put on trial and crucified, he got his disciples together, and in John 15, 1 through 12, Jesus bid his disciples to go beyond following him and to abide in him. To abide means to come into him. You ever known anybody well enough to go into him? Here's what he said in the Branch and Vine Discourse, and it's familiar to you. And let me read it to you. I am the true vine, he says, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it 
so that it may bear more fruit. I like that. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Now, that, those are pretty powerful words spoken not during the three years that Jesus said, follow me, and gave him all kinds of examples, all kinds of opportunities to see what he was doing and to follow him. But he said it the night before he was crucified. Why the night before he was crucified? Because Christ wanted his disciples to be intimate with him. Andrew Murray wrote a book, and I have it. It's called Abide in Christ. It's a 31-day devotional based on John 1 and 2. Now, Andrew Murray's a fascinating guy. You know, if, if you're looking for a history, a, a biography, take a look at this guy. He was a missionary to South Africa, one of 17 kids. 17 kids. He was born in South Africa. Now get this. He was sent to Scotland with his brother at the age of nine. His brother was two years older, 11. And he finished part from his family, went to Holland for his theological training, and returned to South Africa when he was 20. He stayed in South Africa for 71 years as a missionary to South Africa. He was a writer. He wrote on prayer and authored a 31-day, among others, devotional book entitled Abide in Christ. So fundamental was Jesus' teaching to his disciples on the night before he was crucified that he wrote a book on it. He said, while on earth, Jesus bid his disciples to follow me. When about to leave for heaven, he said, abide in me. Why the change? Why the change? Well, I would suggest that Jesus knew that when he departed, when he was crucified, dead, and buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, that he would send the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, and the Holy Spirit would be a game changer. The Holy Spirit would give the disciples the strength to abide in Christ and not to just follow him. Take note of the fact that it's abide not with me, but in me. Now, it's very interesting to me that in his book, Abide in Christ, 
In the preface, Andrew Murray gives a caution. And the caution is, it takes time to abide in Christ. It takes time. You're not going to do it overnight. We're going through a book called The Celebration of Discipline. Seems like a contradiction. Do you celebrate discipline? You're learning to celebrate discipline, but you probably didn't when you started the book. Here's a fact. Occasional joggers don't subtly enter an Olympic marathon. There's all kinds of figures there running off, but only three are going to be representing the United States in the Olympics, and I guarantee you those are folks who have trained to be in the Olympics. It takes time to abide in Christ. It takes time and effort to pray. Prayer is learned. Do you believe that? In order to pray, you got to do it. You have to get down on your knees. You have to open your mouth. You have to clear your brain. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they asked this question before the night that Jesus offered them the opportunity to abide in him. If there were prayers, if their prayers were to make a difference, they needed to learn how to pray for others. They needed to ask questions. They needed to listen and watch carefully. So, too, should we. But how? Here's the practical aspect of prayer today. Here's some suggestions. Begin with intercessory prayer. Praying for others, not things. Praying for others, not things. Not ideas. Not for the parking place in the mall. Not for release of traffic so that you can get to work on time. But pray for people. For people. Study the scriptures. There are many in scriptures who prayed. And you'll be amazed how they prayed. They didn't all pray, Lord, we know that you're in charge of everything and we acknowledge that and we give that to you. So it's in your name that we pray and we give it all to you. They prayed, and you can take a look at Moses, David, Hannah. Remember Hannah? Samuel's mother, who was told for years that she would be barren, and she was. And she resisted that, and she went to the Lord continually, said, Lord, give me a son. Open my womb. She didn't say, Lord, I know that this is the way you've made me, and I accept that fact, and I press on. Now, that would have been an okay prayer, but that's not what she prayed. She prayed as if prayer made a difference. How about Daniel? He certainly prayed. But take a look at Scripture. Next, pick an area. For example, your marriage, your family, friends in need. We all have friends who are in need. How about our church? Note again, intercessory prayer is about people, not things. And it calls for us to study and to learn. Now, here's the tough part. 
It's a discipline. You got to do it repetitively. And you have to increase as you repeat the exercise. Commit to two weeks of concentrated prayer or, if possible, even 30 days. Now, that sounds like an eternity. I know that. Pick one of the areas. Family, friends, church, marriage. And remember as you're praying that prayer is learned. It is a discipline. Develop your prayers. I've found that praying out loud makes a difference. Not that I can multitask. I can't. But the fact of the matter is when I pray out loud, I know that I'm focused on one thing. That's praying. Examples. You might choose in your two weeks or 30 days to pray for your wife. That would be a change for some of us. How would you do that? Well, before you go to work in the morning, if you would take her hand or put your hand around her waist and say, sweetheart, I pray that God would protect you, that he would cover you this day. I thank you for giving you to me. I thank you, Lord, for your gift of this woman to me. I pray that you be with her in power and strength throughout her day. In Jesus' name, amen. And before you sleep at night, I know that some of us are tired, games are late. (laughs) We get up and she's already asleep, but what if you got in the habit of putting your arm on her shoulder again and praying for her and say, Lord, thank you for this day that you've given me with this sweet wife who sleeps beside me. Be with her in power and strength. Watch over her as she sleeps. Wake her up rested and ready to go the next day. Would that make a difference if you prayed that way for two weeks or three days? Would the Lord reveal to you what it's like to celebrate the discipline of prayer in your life? Remember, prayers learned. How about praying for your kids? What about the example that I gave of Peter and his parents? Sometimes we think that prayer is good for young kids, but it's not good for older kids. I would imagine your teenage would react favorably in time to the fact that you wanted to pray for them every night before they called it a day? How about praying for a friend? Praying for a friend who you know is in in trouble. Praying for a friend who perhaps you know is having an affair. How would you pray for that friend? You can begin with praying for the fact that whenever he comes into the sight of that woman that he's with, that he would be revolted, that he would reject her. You can pray that. And you can pray that out loud for your friend. How about praying for our church? Remember, prayer is for people, not things. Pray for in terms of our church leadership. You can pray for our executive council. You can pray for our elders. You can pray for those 300 or so folks who every week go into the pit to teach our kids. 
You can pray for our congregation. You can pray for its members. We all need prayer. So there's lots of things that you can do for prayer. But as you do, and as you pray, listen. God speaks as we listen to and for him. We're going to run into evil. We're going to run into a, a force called Satan and his hosts who don't want us to pray, who don't like us to pray, who don't like us to exercise the privilege, the gift of coming into God's presence. You're going to run into that. And you can reject that in your prayers. You can reject his presence in your prayers. And you can say, be gone, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we must never wait to pray for somebody until we feel like praying for them. Feelings are not good here. We need to exercise the discipline of praying for others. So in summary, prayer is a privilege, a gift from Jesus Christ who died for your sin and mine. And I believe that with all my heart. Christ instructs us to abide in him. Prayer offers those who believe in Christ the opportunity to abide in him. Abiding in him means that we surrender. We surrender everything that we are to who he is. Don't forget the fact that prayer is learned. It's a discipline that takes time and effort. Take the time and effort to pray. Prayer is that important in the life of one who believes in Jesus Christ. So you've got five questions. They're not easy questions. Do you believe that prayer is a privilege, a gift from God to those who believe in his son? That may be new to some of you. Do you think that prayer is a gift that others have, but not you? Do you think prayer is overwhelming in its scope and responsibilities? Are Martin Luther's examples, John Wesley's example, the example of the businessman who prayed seven, is that overwhelming to you? You can be honest. It was to me, it is to me. I don't pray three hours a day, I don't pray two. But I want to. I'm moving in that direction. Have you ever thought about the difference between following Christ and abiding in Christ? Christ, followers. Abide in Christ. One in the same. One with him. One in him. Abiding in Christ means surrendering all to him. Have you surrendered all? Is there a part of you that you want to keep that's your own? Is prayer learned? As you pray for your wife, as you pray for your wife, family, a friend, or our church, will you be convinced that you learn more about prayer as you do so? Will you grow in the discipline in prayer? Is prayer really a discipline? And last, here's an out for you. What are your thoughts on this lesson? Is it too much? A little overwhelming? Too spiritual? I don't think so, but you might, and you can discuss it at your table. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for 
uh, these thoughts shared. We thank you, Lord, that uh, it's a privilege to be able to come into your presence because of the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross. Father, be with us in power and strength. May we abide in you. May we exercise the discipline of prayer as we practice these suggestions. In Jesus' name, amen.